When we enter this world, our hands are eager to hold on. When that newborn baby enters the world, the, the mom or the dad can, can place their finger in their palm and instinctively they will grab a hold of mom or dad's hand. We come into this world eager to hold on. And then as we grow, that, that same little child will wrap their hands around their favorite food, around their most precious toy, around the iPad as they watch it for hours. No parent wants to admit that, but it happens. And then they get a little older, they'll, they'll grasp onto other people. They'll grasp onto the girl that they like or the boy that they're dating that, that drives dad crazy. They'll grab onto people that they love to hold them when they're crying or to help them across the street or to hold back their hair when they're sick after a night of too much fun. When they're a little older, they'll grab onto all the things that can help them climb up the ladder of success. They'll hold onto the laptop late at night if they're answering just one more email or they'll hold onto the steering wheel as they're driving to go see another client, make another sale. It seems that like in every moment of our life, from the moment that we're born, we're holding on to someone. We're grasping something. We're born with hands that are eager to hold on. Until our, our final day, our last breath, when finally whatever it is that we're holding on is let go of and our hands open. And whatever it is that we've been holding hits the floor. And, and my friends, that's, that's what your legacy is. Whatever hits the floor when your hand finally opens. Whatever hits the floor when your hand finally gives up its grasp and the people around you are left to pick up what you've let go of and hold it as their own. That's your legacy. Now today we're continuing a series called Legacy where we're wrestling with what it means as followers of Jesus to live our lives with, with leaving in mind what it is that we want to leave behind when all is said and done. And today what I want to talk about is the connection between legacy and generosity. Because there is a strong, profound connection. You know, in the scriptures, you could take everything it says about, about generosity, about stewardship, you could say, and you could summarize it in one relatively simple phrase, a simple phrase that is comprised of two parts. Uh, the first part is this. Again, we're summarizing everything the Bible has to say about generosity. The first part of the simple summary is this. What you grasp is what you give. What you grasp in life is what you give at the end of life. You could say it like this. What you lay hold of while you're living is what you hand off when you're dying. It's a really simple idea. And those of us who've, who've had to, say, manage the estate of someone who's passed on, we, we know what this is like. Maybe you found yourself standing in your parents' home after, after they've passed away and everything that they gripped until the very end, until their last day, is now all yours to take care of and figure out what in the world to do with. My own son, who's just seven years old, he's figured out this simple reality that what you grasp is what you give in the end. I've shared this story before, but it's worth repeating because it's so pertinent. A little while ago, I finished uh, working on a model car that I had been working on for about a year and a half. And as I was putting the finishing touches on this, on this car, my son, with just wide eyes and his jaw dropped, was standing there next to me, like, looking at this model. He loved every part, every piece of it. And then he whispered in my ear, Dad, this is so cool. And I said, I know, son, it is cool, isn't it? And he said to me, I'm going to get this when you die. <laughs> I was like, do you know something I don't? Is that a threat? What's happening? 
It's a simple idea. What you grasp in life, what you have in life, is what you give to others at the end of life. But, but it applies not just to material possessions, it's also a spiritual truth. It applies to bigger things apart from material possessions. Look at Exodus chapter 20, what God says in Exodus chapter 20. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. What that means is that if people of faith insist on grasping, gripping things like unbelief or an unwillingness to reject some of the broken, dysfunctional things in their life, if they insist on holding on to those things, then they're just going to pass those things on to the people that come after them. If you refuse to believe, if you refuse to turn from something broken and destructive, if you refuse to get help for something that's dark and difficult and wounded in your life, you're just going to, in all likelihood, pass that on to somebody else. Somebody else is going to have to deal with that. On the positive side of this, look at the words that Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul says this in 2 Timothy. He says, I'm reminded, Timothy, of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Faith itself is a gift that's received, and then it's grasped, and once it's grasped, it can be given. It can be passed on to somebody else. What you grasp is what you give. Now, that idea alone should cause some serious reflection for us who are wrestling with what it is that we want to leave behind when all is said and done in our lives. I mean, if you say to yourself, what I want to leave behind is a love of family, or what I want to leave behind is a great work ethic, or a legacy of faith and love for the Lord, those are the things that I need to leave behind. Well, well then you have to ask yourself the question, am I laying hold of those things right now? Because what you grasp is what you give. So if I want to give that, am I grasping it today? Am I laying hold of a good work ethic? Am I laying hold of a love of family? Am I laying hold of a faith in Jesus and a love for the Lord? Am I, am I wrapping my arms around those things and holding them in my life so that when all's said and done, I can, I can give these things and pass these things on to somebody else? What you grasp is what you give. What you hold is what you hand off. Now that's the first part of the simple truth that summarizes generosity in the scriptures. Uh, but it's the second part that typically people have a hard time wrapping their hearts around. The second part goes like this. It sounds a little bit like the first. The second part goes like this. What you give is what you grasp. So the first part, what you grasp, is what you give. And the second part is what you give is what you grasp. I promise you I'm not trying to be cute. This actually does make sense. Jump with me to the words of Jesus. These are words you've heard before. Jesus says, Luke chapter 12, verse 14, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, what you give towards today determines what you hold on to, not just with your hands, but with your heart. What you give of your resources toward today determines what you're holding to, leaning on, and loving most in this life. Where your treasure goes, time, talent, finances, where it goes is what you're ultimately holding and grasping. So if you want to know what it is on a big level, like philosophical, theological level, what it is that you're holding to, what it is that you're grasping, take a look at what your giving is doing. 
Take a look at the trajectory of your time and your talents and your money. And Jesus says, that's what you're holding to. That's where your heart is. Because what you give toward is a declaration and a description of what it is that you're holding on to. Likewise, if you want to have your heart holding on in a deeper way to something, if you want to have your heart more anchored into something, you should give generously to that thing. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart. That's what Jesus says. So the first half is, what you grasp in life is what you give at the end of life. But what you give during your life is what you're holding on to to hand off. You following with me so far? So now, again, for those of us who are wrestling with, okay, as a follower of Jesus, what should my legacy be? What should the kind of things be that I want to hand off when my time on this earth is done? What we have to do is, is wrestle with the implications of this. So again, if what you want to hand off is a love of family, if what you want to hand off is a love of neighbor and of those who are weak and in need, if what you want to hand off is a love of the things of God, then you have to ask yourself, am, am I giving toward these things so that I'm grasping them, holding them at a deep level? so that I might then hand them off when all is said and done. Because in order to grasp it, our treasure goes toward it. And then we're anchored deeply in it. And then we truly have it. And then we can share it. So, so if what you want to pass on is a love of family, are you doing more than just talking about a love of family? Or are you giving toward that? Or are you giving of time to sit down with your teenage daughter and ask her yet again, what's wrong? Why are we crying? And however much time or attention it takes, you have that conversation. Because what you give is what you grasp. Or are you sacrificing your, your energy and maybe even an ACL to, to wrestle on the floor with your seven-year-old son because that's the only thing he wants to do these days. He doesn't want to talk. He doesn't want to do anything other than wrestle with you, his dad, on the floor like crazy. Are you giving of your energy and your patience to wrestle with him on the floor and doing so giving toward the love of family because if you want to grasp it, you give toward it and then you have it. That's how this works. You grasp what you give toward if you want it to be all about a love of neighbor and serving those who are in need, then, then you have to do more than, than talk about how somebody should do that. If you want to lay hold of that, you, you give toward it. You give toward a charity that's like moving the needle on that. Or, or you sacrifice your own time to watch the, the three kids of the neighbor down the street who's, who's a young widow so that she can go shopping at HEB in peace and quiet. You sacrifice your own time and your own patience if you want to lay hold of generosity towards those in need, or are you giving generously to those in need? And that's how you grasp it, and that's how you hold it. That's how you can also share it with others. And then the same is true with faith. If you want to pass on a love of the Lord, it, it's more than like hanging up cute little things in your kitchen that say, bless this mess. It, it's more than, than a necklace with a cross kind of dangling as you go through your workday. If you want to grasp this thing, you give of yourself toward this thing. You give of your time and your ego to like awkwardly lead your family through prayers. 
You give of your time to come to church when you really, really don't feel like coming to church. Or maybe even bringing a friend who doesn't want to come to church. You give of some of your skills to serve the mission and the movement of bringing hope into this world. And yes, also you give of your treasure, you give of your money to the message and the movement of Jesus. And when we do that, when we give towards these things, our hearts are more deeply anchored and rooted in these things. And we hold these things to some greater degree. When we actually give, we grasp. And what we grasp, oh, we can pass on. We can give. That's how this works. What do you want to pass on? Are you giving toward it so you can grasp it, so you can hand it to the ones that matter most? Now, now I recognize that like the financial part of this is the, the hardest part for people to wrestle with. Like we can talk about giving in all ways, shapes, and forms towards things that matter, but the second we start talking about money, everybody gets a little awkward. I get that. But the reason is simple. You know, money has always had this deceptive and um, crazy power in, in our lives as human beings. Throughout all time, throughout all cultures, money is a deceptive and powerful tool. In particular, the love of it. Which is why Jesus, who, who devotes about 15% of everything he says in some way, shape, and form to money or stuff, which is why Jesus saves some of his toughest teaching toward our understanding of money and wealth and what to do with it. So, for example, in, in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus says this. Now, this is Jesus being really, really stern here. This is not meek and mild Jesus. This is Jesus near shouting. He says this, watch out. Watch out, be on guard. Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Now, why does Jesus have to say, hey, look, watch out, be careful, be actively engaged in not getting tripped up by money? Because the love of money and stuff is deceptive and sneaky and it messes with human beings. That's why Jesus is near shouting at his disciples saying, be wary, be ready, be on the lookout. You know, the love of money and the acquisition of wealth, it does two things to us primarily. Number one, it, it warps our view of self. And number two, it warps our view of what we have. It warps our view of self because typically when you get even a little bit of stuff, when you get even a little bit of wealth, and you might be saying, ooh, wealth, that's a word that doesn't apply to me. Look, if you've got a pulse and you live in the West, especially here in the U.S., you're wealthy, Okay. On the grand scale of things, compared to what the vast majority of other people in the world have, you are the richest of the rich. Congratulations, you've made it to the top. Well, what happens when we attain even a little bit of wealth is that it distorts our view of ourselves. What we tend to think, and you might not admit this, but, but it's true, when we get even a little bit of wealth, what happens is we start to think, I have a little more than somebody else because I am a little more than somebody else. That's a belief that creeps in. I have a little more because I am a little more. I'm a, I'm a little smarter. I'm a little wiser. I'm a little more capable. I'm worth a little more in my job, apparently, than they are in theirs. See how it sneaks in? I have more because I am more. This is also what leads prosperous people like us to look down at less prosperous people in other nations. We think well, we have more because we're maybe a little more innovative or greater stewards or we're a little better. And by implication, they have less because they are. Uh-oh, that goes to a dangerous place. But it happens. 
It warps our understanding of ourself. Then it also warps our understanding of what it is that we have. Because when we first start to make a little money and we get a little bit of stuff, we, we think to ourselves, man, I never thought I would be able to afford a house like this. And the house you get, the first house you buy, is a luxury. It's a luxury. But then two weeks go by, and this luxury is all of a sudden a necessity. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how people do it. I could never live with less than five bedrooms. I could never do it. And what was five minutes ago a luxury is now a necessity. And you add luxury after luxury, telling it yourself it's a necessity, until you then look at being charitable towards things that matter in this world. And you say, well, I have no room to give because of all of my necessities, forgetting that five minutes ago, all that is necessary was once a luxury. It warps your view of what you have. And so Jesus says, be careful. And it's why, it's, why, it's why Paul says to Timothy, tell wealthy people to be on the lookout, to not get proud, and to be generous and ready to share. You know, what's interesting to me as a pastor is, you know, part of my job is people come to me and they confess all kinds of things, and then I shower them in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so people will come to me and they will confess that they have an issue with lust or that they've committed adultery or that they are overflowing with bitterness and hatred towards someone that they should love. They'll confess all kinds of terrible things and God forgives them all. But in 16 years of pastoral ministry, you know what? No one has ever, ever, ever come to me and confessed. They've never come to me and confessed that they are greedy, ever. They've never come to me and said, you know what? I have a little too much. I want a little too much. I keep a little too much for myself. They never do. Because you know what? Greed is the one sin that think everyone thinks is somebody else's problem. And yet it's the one that Jesus tends to talk about the most. Isn't that interesting? The one Jesus tends to talk about the most is the one that people tend to confess the least. Interesting how that works. And, and so what is the antidote to, to greed? If you're not willing to give towards things that matter so that you can grasp more deeply those things that matter and pass on the things that matter, the antidote to greed is huh, giving. It is. Again, Paul to Timothy, Paul says this, tell the wealthy, our ears should perk up, you fellow rich folk, tell the wealthy they are to do good, to be rich in good works, here's the kicker, to be generous, with their wealth, and ready to share. What Paul is saying here, and you see it more as he continues, what Paul is saying here is, tell the wealthy people that as they increase in possessing, they should increase in giving. That's the antidote. I'd go so far as to say this. This is a quote from a, a, a pastor and a, and a friend that I know, uh, Dr. Tim Keller. He says this, for people of faith, for people of faith, he says, the more successful you get as a person of faith, the more distance there should be between how you could live and how you do live. Between how you could live, given your bank account, given all your stuff, and how you do live, because you now value greater things. You value different things, and so in order to possess those greater things, those different things, what do you do? You give towards those things because you want to possess these higher values. You want to be deeply rooted in these things. I say all this because the greatest barrier that may exist between your legacy and the life you're living today is our collective love of stuff and money that's keeping us from giving towards big things, grasping important things, and thereby handing on passing on significant things. 
you got to wrestle with that. Because what you grasp in life is what you give at the end. But what you give towards in life is what you grasp. That's how God says it works. Now, you might be asking, okay, Matt, I, I get all that, but, but where, does, where, where does Jesus come in in all this? Like, what does the cross of Jesus Christ have to do with all of this? And here's what the cross of Jesus Christ has to do with all this. It has to do everything with this. Because it is the person and the work, the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that, that frees, enables, empowers, and urges us to let go of things so that we might possess the greatest things of God. You know, one of the reasons we clamor for all this temporary stuff and we give towards minor stuff and then we possess it and then in the end we go, I guess that wasn't worth possessing after all. The reason we give so desperately to those minor things is because we wrongly think that those minor secondary things are going to fulfill deep needs in our life. Because you know what you want? You want to feel peace. You know what you want? You want purpose. You know what you want? You want security. You want to be whole. You want to know that you matter. And so we give to all this stuff so we might possess that from work, possess that from our kids, or possess that from whatever selling online as I scroll Facebook and we hold it and we go, ah, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I probably didn't buy the right thing. Let me buy this, possess that some now. Maybe I'll hold some peace. I'll hold some security. And you know what? It, ne it never works out. But the promise of Jesus Christ is this, that in him through his perfect life for you, his sacrificial death that forgives you, his rise from the grave that breaks every chain, sin, death, all the bad stuff given for you, that in Jesus Christ, you actually possess that which with all your possessions you could never attain. In Jesus Christ, you already possess that which with all your possessions you could never attain. You have peace. You have wholeness. You are loved. You are seen. You are eternal. You matter. You're secure through Jesus now, you might be thinking, well, man, how do I, how do, how do I know that? Well, let's go back to the generosity principle that I just talked about. One of the things I said was, what you give toward is what you grasp. What you sacrifice for is what you actually hold and what you have. And what does the scriptures tell us if it tells us anything? It tells us that God the Father, what did he do? He gave. He gave. He gave his only son for you to live, die, and rise for you. You want to know why he did that? Why did he give toward you so that he might possess you and have you and hold you and love you and care for you? What you give toward is what you have and what you hold. And God the Father has given his son for you. And he has you and he holds you. And he loves you, and you are free. What do you need to hold on to so desperately if he's holding on to you so lovingly? You are now free to let go towards big things, higher things, so that you might hold them and possess them, be rooted in them, and share them. We enter this world with hands that are, that are eager to grasp, eager to hold. And we spend our lives holding on to things. But in our last day, in our last breath, our hands finally open. And all the things we've been holding to, big things, small things, they fall to the ground. And then they get picked up by the people that we love. And they carry them forward. What are you holding to today that's going to hit the floor 
tomorrow and be picked up by the people who matter most. I'll end with this story. Russell Herman was 67 years old when he passed away. And when Russell Herman passed away, the Chicago Tribune ran a story about his last will and testament because of the staggering generosity reflected in his last will and testament. Russell Herman had some staggering bequests in his estate. When he died, it became known that he left $2 billion to the city of East St. Louis. And then he left another $2 billion to the state of Illinois. He left $2.5 billion to the National Parks Service. And then in the most staggering bequest of all, he left $6 trillion to the U.S. Treasury to cancel out the national debt. But the reason this story made the Chicago Tribune was not because of the bequest, but because when Russell Herman died, his only possession was a 1983 Oldsmobile. He couldn't be as generous as he wanted to be because he never actually possessed any of the things he wanted to give away. You can only hand off what you actually hold. You can only give what you actually grasp. What are you holding to? What do you hope to hand off? And if you don't like what it is that you're possessing, if it seems too small, too little, too insignificant, maybe it is. Maybe there's some higher things, some greater things that you can hand off to those around you, to those that come after you. Some things like love and service and sacrifice and faith. If you don't like what you're possessing, then I encourage you to follow the words of Jesus and assess what you're giving. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart. And your heart is what you hold. It's what you lean on. And when your hands finally open, it's what you give to the others in the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us. You know, it's not an easy thing to talk about what it is that we possess and what we want to pass on and and what it is we give and sacrifice in terms of time and talent and energy and devotion and even finances. But Father, your word time and again just draws us to consider it and wrestle with it. Lord, we ask that you would help us to think deeply on this. What kind of people do we want to be right now? What are the things we want to hold in our hands we want to possess? Do we want it merely to be possessions? Do we want it to be higher things, the things of the kingdom? Do we want to hold tightly in our hands and be grounded deeply in things like love and justice and mercy? And if the answer to that is yes, and I pray it is, then, then may, you, may you draw us to extend ourselves toward love and justice and compassion and kindness, towards faith, towards the spread of the gospel, towards the hope that's found in Jesus so that we might be deeply rooted in these things and we might pass these important things on to the important people that we love so much. We pray this, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.